The Spring Running, story number nine of Mowgli from the Jungle Books by Rudyard Kipling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Spring Running Man goes to man, cried the challenge through the jungle. He that was our brother goes away. Hear now, and judge, O ye people of the jungle. Answer, who shall turn him, who shall stay? Man goes to man. He is weeping in the jungle. He that was our brother sorrows sore. Man goes to man. Oh, we loved him in the jungle. To the man-trail where we may not follow more. The second year, after the great fight with Red Dog and the death of Akela, Mowgli must have been nearly seventeen years old. He looked older, for hard exercise, the best of good eating and baths whenever he felt in the least hot or dusty, had given him strength and growth far beyond his age. He could swing by one hand from a top branch for half an hour at a time when he had occasion to look along the tree roads. He could stop a young buck in mid-gallop and throw him sideways by the head. He could even jerk over the big blue wild boars that lived in the marshes of the north. The jungle people, who used to fear him for his wits, feared him now for his strength, and when he moved quietly on his own affairs, the mere whisper of his coming cleared the woodpaths. And yet the look in his eyes was always gentle. Even when he fought, his eyes never blazed as Bagheera's did. They only grew more and more interested and excited, and that was one of the things that Bagheera himself did not understand. He asked Mowgli about it, and the boy laughed and said, When I miss the kill, I am angry. When I must go empty for two days, I am very angry. Do not my eyes talk then? The mouth is angry, said Bagheera, but the eyes say nothing. Hunting, eating, or swimming, it is all one, like a stone in wet or dry weather. Mowgli looked at him lazily from under his long eyelashes, and as usual the panther's head dropped. Bagheera knew his master. They were laying out far up the side of a hill overlooking the Wangunga, and the morning mists hung below them in bands of white and green. As the sun rose, it changed into bubbling seas of red gold, churned off, and let the low rays stripe the dried grass on which Mowgli and Bagheera were resting. It was the end of the cold weather. The leaves and the trees looked worn and faded, and there was a dry, ticking rustle everywhere when the wind blew. A little leaf tap-tap-tapped furiously against a twig, as a single leaf caught in a current will. It roused Bagheera, for he snuffed the morning air with a deep hollow cough, threw himself on his back, and struck with his forepaws at the nodding leaf above. The year turns, he said. The jungle goes forward. The time of new talk is near. That leaf knows. It is very good. The grass is dry, Mowgli answered, pulling up a tuft. Even Eye of the Spring, 
That is a little trumpet-shaped, waxy red flower that runs in and out among the grasses. Even eye of the spring is shut, and— Bagheera, is it well for the black panther so to lie on his back and beat with his paws in the air, as though he were the tree-cat? Ah, said Bagheera. He seemed to be thinking of other things. I say, is it well for the black panther so to mouth and cough and howl and roll? Remember, we be the masters of the jungle, thou and I. Indeed, yes, I hear, man-cub. Bagheera rolled over hurriedly and sat up, the dust on his ragged black flanks. He was just casting his winter coat. We be surely the masters of the jungle. Who is so strong as Mowgli? Who so wise? There was a curious drawl in his voice that made Mowgli turn to see whether by any chance the Black Panther were making fun of him, for the jungle is full of words that sound like one thing but mean another. I said we be beyond question the masters of the jungle, Bagheera repeated. Have I done wrong? I did not know that the man-cub no longer lay upon the ground. Does he fly, then? Mowgli sat with his elbows on his knees, looking out across the valley at the daylight. Somewhere down in the woods below a bird was trying over in a husky, reedy voice the first few notes of his spring song. It was no more than a shadow of the liquid, tumbling call he would be pouring later, but Bagheera heard it. "'I said the time of new talk is near,' growled the panther, switching his tail. "'I hear,' Mowgli answered. "'Bagheera, why dost thou shake all over? The sun is warm.' "'That is Ferrao, the scarlet woodpecker,' said Bagheera. "'He has not forgotten. Now I, too, must remember my song.' and he began purring and crooning to himself, harking back dissatisfied again and again. "'There is no game afoot,' said Mowgli. "'Little brother, are both thine ears stopped? That is no killing word, but my song that I make ready against the need.' "'I had forgotten. I shall know when the time of new talk is here, because then thou and the others all run away and leave me alone.' Mowgli spoke rather savagely. "'But indeed, little brother,' Bagheera began, "'we do not always—' "'I say ye do,' said Mowgli, shooting out his forefinger angrily. "'Ye do run away, and I, who am the master of the jungle, must needs walk alone. How was it last season, when I would gather sugar-cane from the fields of a man-pack?' I sent a runner, I sent thee, to Hathi, bidding him to come upon such a night and pluck the sweet grass for me with his trunk. He came only two nights later, said Bagheera, cowering a little, and of that long sweet grass that pleased thee so, he gathered more than any man-cub could eat in all the nights of the rains. That was no fault of mine. He did not come upon the night when I sent him word. No. He was trumpeting and running and roaring through the valleys in the moonlight. His trail was like the trail of three elephants, for he would not hide among the trees. 
He danced in the moonlight before the houses of the man-pack. I saw him, and yet he would not come to me, and I am the master of the jungle. It was the time of new talk, said the panther, always very humble. Perhaps, little brother, thou didst not that time call him by a master word. Listen to Ferrao, and be glad. Mowgli's bad temper seemed to have boiled itself away. He lay back with his head on his arms, his eyes shut. I do not know, nor do I care, he said sleepily. Let us sleep, Bagheera. My stomach is heavy in me. Make me a rest for my head. The panther lay down again with a sigh, because he could hear Ferrao practicing and repracticing his song against the springtime of new talk, as they say. In an Indian jungle, the seasons slide one into the other almost without division. There seem to be only two, the wet and the dry, but if you look closely below the torrents of rain and the clouds of char and dust, you will find all four going round in their regular ring. Spring is the most wonderful, because she has not to cover a clean bare field with new leaves and flowers, but to drive before her and to put away the hanging-on, over-surviving raffle of half-green things which the gentle winter has suffered to live, and to make the partly-dressed stale earth feel new and young once more. And this she does so well that there is no spring in the world like the jungle spring. There is one day when all things are tired, and the very smells, as they drift on the heavy air, are old and used. One cannot explain this, but it feels so. Then there is another day, to the eye nothing whatever has changed, when all the smells are new and delightful, and the whiskers of the jungle people quiver to their roots, and the winter hair comes away from their sides in long draggled locks. Then, perhaps, a little rain falls, and all the trees and the bushes and the bamboos and the mosses and the juicy-leafed plants wake with a noise of growing that you can almost hear, and under this noise runs, day and night, a deep hum. That is the noise of the spring, a vibrating boom which is neither bees nor falling water nor the wind in treetops but the purring of the warm, happy world. Up to this year, Mowgli had always delighted in the turn of seasons. It was he who generally saw the first eye of the spring deep down among the grasses, and the first bank of spring clouds, which are like nothing else in the jungle. His voice could be heard in all sorts of wet, star-lighted, blossoming places, helping the big frogs through their choruses, or mocking the little upside-down owls that hoot through the white nights. Like all his people, spring was the season he chose for his flittings, moving for the mere joy of rushing through the warm air thirty or forty or fifty miles between twilight and the morning star, and coming back panting and laughing and wreathed with strange flowers. The four did not follow him on these wild ringings of the jungle, but went off to sing songs with other wolves. 
The jungle people are very busy in the spring, and Mowgli could hear them grunting and screaming and whistling according to their kind. Their voices then are different from their voices at other times of the year, and that is one of the reasons why spring in the jungle is called the time of new talk. But that spring, as he told Bagheera, his stomach was changed in him. Ever since the bamboo shoots turned spotty brown, he had been looking forward to the morning when the smells should change. But when the morning came, and more the peacock, blazing in bronze and blue and gold, cried it aloud all along the misty woods, and Mowgli opened his mouth to send on the cry, the words choked between his teeth, and a feeling came over him that began at his toes and ended in his hair. A feeling of pure unhappiness, so that he looked himself over to be sure he had not trod on a thorn. More cried the new smells. The other birds took it over, and from the rocks by the Wengunga he heard Bagheera's hoarse scream, something between the scream of an eagle and the neighing of a horse. There was a yelling and scattering of bander-log in the new budding branches above, and there stood Mowgli, his chest filled to answer more, sinking in little gasps as the breath was driven out of it by this unhappiness. He stared all round him, but he could see no more than the mocking bander-log scudding through the trees, and more his tail spread in full splendor, dancing on the slopes below. "'The smells have changed!' screamed Moor. "'Good hunting, little brother. Where is thy answer?' "'Little brother, good hunting!' whistled Cheel the kite, and his mates swooping down together. The two baffed under Mowgli's nose so close that a pinch of downy white feathers brushed away. A light spring rain, elephant rain they call it, drove across the jungle in a belt half a mile wide, left the new leaves wet and nodding behind, and died out in a double rainbow and a light roll of thunder. The spring hum broke out for a minute and was silent, but all the jungle folk seemed to be giving tongue at once, all except Mowgli. "'I have eaten good food,' he said to himself. I have drunk good water, nor does my throat burn and grow small, as it did when I bit the blue-spotted root that oo the turtle said was clean food. But my stomach is heavy, and I have given very bad talk to Bagheera and others, people of the jungle and my people. Now, too, I am hot, and now I am cold, and now I am neither hot nor cold, but angry with that which I cannot see. Ho, oh, oh, ho! It is time to make a running. Tonight I will cross the ranges. Yes, I will make a spring running to the marshes of the north and back again. I have hunted too easily, too long. The four shall come with me, for they grow as fat as white grubs. He called, but never one of the four answered. They were far beyond earshot singing over the spring songs, the moon and sombre songs, with the wolves of the pack. 
for in the springtime the jungle people make very little difference between the day and the night he gave the sharp barking note but his only answer was the mocking mayu of the little spotted tree cat winding in and out among the branches for early birds nests at this he shook all over with rage and half drew his knife then he became very haughty though there was no one to see him and stalked severely down the hillside chin up and eyebrows down but never a single one of his people asked him a question for they were all too busy with their own affairs yes said mowgli to himself though in his heart he knew that he had no reason let the red dole come from the deccan or the red flower dance among the bamboos and all the jungle runs whining to mowgli calling him great elephant names but now because eye of the spring is red and more forsooth must show his naked legs in some spring dance the jungle goes mad as tabaki by the bull that bought me am i the master of the jungle or am i not be silent what do ye here a couple of young wolves of the pack were cantering down a path looking for open ground in which to fight you will remember that the law of the jungle forbids fighting where the pack can see their neck bristles were as stiff as wire and they bayed furiously crouching for the first grapple Mowgli leaped forward, caught one outstretched throat in either hand, expecting to fling the creatures backward, as he had often done in games or pack-hunts. But he had never before interfered with a spring fight. The two leaped forward and dashed him aside, and without word to waste, rolled over and over close-locked. Mowgli was on his feet almost before he fell. His knife and his white teeth were bared, and at that minute he would have killed both for no reason but that they were fighting when he wished them to be quiet, although every wolf has full right under the law to fight. He danced around them with lowered shoulders and quivering hand, ready to send in a double blow when the first flurry of the scuffle should be over. But while he waited the strength seemed to ebb from his body the knife point lowered and he sheathed the knife and watched i have surely eaten poison he sighed at last since i broke up the council with the red flower since i killed shere khan none of the pack could fling me aside and these be only tail wolves in the pack little hunters Ah, my strength is gone from me, and presently I shall die. Oh, Mowgli, why dost thou not kill them both? The fight went on till one wolf ran away, and Mowgli was left alone on the torn and bloody ground, looking now at his knife and now at his legs and arms, while the feeling of unhappiness he had never known before covered him as water covers a log. He killed early that evening, and ate but little, so as to be in good fettle for his spring running. And he ate alone, because all the jungle people were away singing or fighting. It was a perfect white night, as they call it. All green things seemed to have made a month's growth since the morning. The branch that was yellow-leaved the day before 
dripped sap when Mowgli broke it. The mosses curled deep and warm over his feet. The young grass had no cutting edges, and all the voices of the jungle boomed like one deep harp-string touched by the moon, the moon of new talk, who splashed her light full on rock and pool, slipped it between trunk and creeper, and sifted it through a million leaves. Forgetting his unhappiness, Mowgli sang aloud with pure delight as he settled into his stride. It was more like flying than anything else, for he had chosen the long downward slope that leads to the northern marshes through the heart of the main jungle, where the springy ground deadened the fall of his feet. A man-taught man would have picked his way with many stumbles through the cheating moonlight, but Mowgli's muscles, trained by years of experience, bore him up as though he were a feather. When a rotted log or a hidden stone turned under his foot, he saved himself, never checking his pace, without effort and without thought. When he tired of ground-going, he threw up his hands, monkey-fashion, to the nearest creeper, and seemed to float rather than to climb up into the thin branches, whence he would follow a tree-road till his mood changed, and he shot downward in a long, leafy curve to the levels again. There were still hot hollows surrounded by wet rocks, where he could hardly breathe for the heavy scent of the night-flowers and the bloom along the creeper-buds. Dark avenues where the moonlight lay in belts as regular as checkered marbles in a church aisle. Thickets where the wet young growth stood breast-high about him and threw its arms round his waist. And hilltops crowned with broken rock, where he leaped from stone to stone above the lairs of the frightened little foxes. He could hear, very faint and far off, the chug-drug of a boar sharpening his tusks on a bowl, and would come across the great grey brute all alone, scribing and rending the bark of a tall tree, his mouth dripping with foam and his eyes blazing like fire. Or he would turn aside to the sound of clashing horns and hissing grunts, and dash past a couple of furious sambor, staggering to and fro with lowered heads, striped with blood that showed black in the moonlight. Or, at some rushing ford, he would hear Jakala the crocodile bellowing like a bull, or disturb a twined knot of the poison people, but before they could strike he would be away and across the glistening shingle, and deep in the jungle again. So he ran sometimes shouting, sometimes singing to himself, the happiest thing in all the jungle that night, till the smell of the flowers warned him that he was near the marshes, and those lay far beyond his farthest hunting-grounds. Here again a man-trained man would have sunk overhead in three strides. But Mowgli's feet had eyes in them, and they passed from tussock to tussock, and clump to quaking clump, without asking help from the eyes in his head. He ran out to the middle of the swamp, disturbing the duck as he ran, and sat down on a moss-coated tree-trunk, lapped in the black water. The marsh was awake all around him, for in the spring the bird-people sleep very lightly, and companies of them were coming or going the night through. 
but no one took any notice of Mowgli sitting among the tall reeds, humming songs without words, and looking at the soles of his hard brown feet in case of neglected thorns. All his unhappiness seemed to have been left behind in his own jungle, and he was just beginning a full-throat song when it came back again, ten times worse than before. This time Mowgli was frightened. "'It is here also,' he said half aloud. "'It has followed me.' And he looked over his shoulder to see whether the it were not standing behind him. "'There is no one here.' The night noises of the marsh went on, but never a bird or beast spoke to him, and the new feeling of misery grew. "'I have surely eaten poison,' he said in an awe-stricken voice. "'It must be that carelessly I have eaten poison, and my strength is going from me. "'I was afraid, and yet it was not I that was afraid. "'Mowgli was afraid when the two wolves fought. "'Akela, or even Fao, would have silenced them. "'Yet Mowgli was afraid.' that is true sign i have eaten poison but what do they care in the jungle they sing and howl and fight and running companies under the moon and i hi my i am dying in the marshes of that poison which i have eaten he was so sorry for himself that he nearly wept and after he went on they will find me lying in the black water nay i will go back to my own jungle and i will die upon the council rock and bagheera whom i love if he is not screaming in the valley bagheera perhaps may watch by what is left for a little lest chil used me as he used akela a large warm tear splashed down on his knee and miserable as he was mowgli felt happy that he was so miserable if you can understand that upside-down sort of happiness as chil the kite used akela he repeated on the night i saved the pack from red dog he was quiet for a little thinking of the last words of the lone wolf which you of course remember now akela said to me many foolish things before he died for when we die our stomachs change he said none the less i am of the jungle in his excitement as he remembered the fight on wingunga bank he shouted the last words aloud and a wild buffalo cow among the reeds sprang to her knees snorting man ah uh, said misa the wild buffalo mowgli could hear him turn in his wallow that is no man it is only the hairless wolf of the seoni pack on such nights runs he to and fro uh, said the cow dropping her head again to graze i thought it was man i say no oh mowgli is it danger lowed misa oh mowgli is it danger the boy called back mockingly that is all misa thinks for is it danger 
but for Mowgli, who goes to and fro in the jungle by night, watching, what do ye care? How loud he cries, said the cow. Thus do they cry, Misa answered contemptuously. Who, having torn up the grass, know not how to eat it. For less than this, Mowgli groaned to himself, for less than this even last rains, I had pricked Misa out of his wallow and ridden him through the swamp on a rush halter. He stretched a hand to break one of the feathery reeds, but drew it back with a sigh. Misa went on steadily chewing the cud, and the long grass ripped where the cow grazed. I will not die here he said angrily. Misa, who is of one blood with Jakala and the pig, would see me. Let us go beyond the swamp and see what comes. Never have I run such a spring running, hot and cold together. Up, Mowgli. He could not resist the temptation of stealing across the reeds to Misa and pricking him with the point of his knife. The great dripping bull broke out of his wallow like a shell exploding, while Mowgli laughed till he sat down. "'Say now that the hairless wolf of the Sioni pack once herded thee, Misa,' he called. "'Wolf, thou!' the bull snorted, stamping in the mud. "'All the jungle knows thou wast a herder of tame cattle, such a man's brat as shouts in the dust by the crops yonder. Thou of the jungle!' What hunter would have crawled like a snake among the leeches, and for a muddy jest, a jackal's jest, have shamed me before my cow? Come to firm ground, and I will, ah, I will. Misa frothed at the mouth, for Misa has nearly the worst temper of any one in the jungle. Mowgli watched him puff and blow with eyes that never changed. When he could make himself heard through the pattering mud, he said, "'What man-pack lair here by the marshes, Misa? This is new jungle to me.' Mm, "'Go north, then,' roared the angry bull, for Mowgli had pricked him rather sharply. "'It was a naked cowherd's jest. Go and tell them at the village at the foot of the marsh.' The man-pack do not love jungle tales, nor do I think, Misa, that a scratch, more or less on thy hide, is any matter for a council. But I will go and look at this village. Yes, I will go. Softly now, it is not every night that the master of the jungle comes to herd thee. He stepped out to the shivering ground on the edge of the marsh, well knowing that Misa would never charge over it, and laughed as he ran to think of the bull's anger. "'My strength is not altogether gone,' he said. "'It may be that the poison is not to the bone. "'There is a star sitting low yonder.' He looked at it between his half-shut hands. "'By the bull that bought me, it is the red flower, "'the red flower that I lay beside before, "'before I came even to the first Sioni pack.' Now that I have seen, I will finish the running. The marsh ended in a broad plain, where a light twinkled. It was a long time since Mowgli had concerned himself with the doings of men, but this night the glimmer of the red flower drew him forward. 
I will look, said he, as I did in the old days, and I will see how far the man-pack has changed. Forgetting that he was no longer in his own jungle, where he could do what he pleased, he trod carelessly through the dew-loaded grasses till he came to the hut where the light stood. Three or four yelping dogs gave tongue, for he was on the outskirts of a village. "'Ho!' said Mowgli, sitting down noiselessly, after sending back a deep wolf-growl that silenced the curs. "'What comes will come. Mowgli, what hast thou to do any more with the lairs of the man-pack?' He rubbed his mouth, remembering where a stone had struck it years ago when the other man-pack had cast him out. The door of the hut opened, and a woman stood peering out into the darkness. A child cried, and the woman said over her shoulder, Sleep! It was but a jackal that waked the dogs. In a little time morning comes. Mowgli in the grass began to shake as though he had fever. He knew that voice well, but to make sure he cried softly, surprised to find how man's talk came back. Messua, oh Messua! Who calls? said the woman, a quiver in her voice. Has thou forgotten? said Mowgli. His throat was dry as he spoke. If it be thou, what name did I give thee? Say. She had half shut the door, and her hand was clutching at her breast. Nathu, oh hey, Nathu! said Mowgli, for, as you remember, that was the name Messua gave him when he first came to the man-pack. "'Come, my son,' she called, and Mowgli stepped into the light and looked full at Messua, the woman who had been good to him, and whose life he had saved from the man-pack so long before. She was older, and her hair was gray, but her eyes and her voice had not changed. Woman-like, she expected to find Mowgli where she had left him, and her eyes travelled upward in a puzzled way, from his chest to his head that touched the top of the door. M my son she stammered, and then, sinking to his feet, "'But it is no longer my son. It is a godling of the woods, a high!' As he stood in the red light of the oil-lamp, Strong, tall, and beautiful, his long black hair sweeping over his shoulders, the knife swinging at his neck, and his head crowned with a wreath of white jasmine, he might easily have been mistaken for some wild god of a jungle legend. The child, half asleep on a cot, sprang up and shrieked aloud with terror. Messua turned to soothe him, while Mowgli stood still, looking at the water-jars and the cooking-pots, the grain-bin, and all the other human belongings that he found himself remembering so well. "'What wilt thou eat or drink?' Messua murmured. "'This is all thine. We owe our lives to thee. But art thou him I called Nathu, or a godling indeed?' "'I am Nathu,' said Mowgli. I am very far from my own place. I saw this light and came hither. I did not know thou wast here. After we came to Kanhiwara, Masua said timidly, 
the english would have helped us against those villagers that sought to burn us rememberest thou indeed i have not forgotten but when the english law was made ready we went to the village of those evil people and it was no more to be found that also i remember said mowgli with a quiver of his nostril my man therefore took service in the fields and at last for indeed he was a strong man we held a little land here it is not so rich as the old village but we do not need much we two where is he the man that dug in the dirt when he was afraid on that night he is dead a year and he mowgli pointed at the child my son that was born two rains ago if thou art a godling give him the favor of the jungle that he may be safe among thy uh, thy people as we were safe on that night she lifted up the child who forgetting his fright reached out to play with the knife that hung on mowgli's chest and mowgli put the little fingers aside very carefully and if thou art nathu whom the tiger carried away Masua went on choking he is then thy younger brother give him an elder brother's blessing haima what do i know of the thing called a blessing i am neither a godling nor his brother and oh mother mother my heart is heavy in me he shivered as he set down the child like enough said Masua, bustling among the cooking pots this comes of running about the marshes by night beyond question the fever had soaked thee to the marrow mowgli smiled a little at the idea of anything in the jungle hurting him i will make a fire and thou shalt drink warm milk put away the jasmine wreath the smell is heavy in so small a place mowgli sat down muttering with his face in his hands all manner of strange feelings that he had never felt before were running over him exactly as though he had been poisoned and he felt dizzy and a little sick he drank the warm milk in long gulps Basua patting him on the shoulder from time to time not quite sure whether he were her son nathu of the long ago days or some wonderful jungle being but glad to feel that he was at least flesh and blood son she said at last her eyes were full of pride have any told thee that thou art beautiful beyond all men huh said mowgli for naturally he had never heard anything of the kind Masua laughed softly and happily the look in his face was enough for her i am the first then it is right though it comes seldom that a mother should tell her son these good things thou art very beautiful never have i looked upon such a man mowgli twisted his head and tried to see over his own hard shoulder and Masua laughed again so long that mowgli not knowing why was forced to laugh with her and the child ran from one to the other laughing too nay thou must not mock thy brother said Masua, catching him to her breast when thou art one half as fair we will marry thee to the youngest daughter of a king and thou shalt ride great elephants mowgli could not understand one word in three of the talk here 
The warm milk was taking an effect on him after his long run, so he curled up and in a minute was deep asleep, and Masua put the hair back from his eyes, threw a cloth over him, and was happy. Jungle fashion, he slept out the rest of that night and all the next day, for his instincts, which never wholly slept, warned him there was nothing to fear. He waked at last with a bound that shook the hut, for the cloth over his face made him dream of traps, and there he stood, his hand on his knife, the sleep all heavy in his rolling eyes, ready for any fight. Masua laughed and set the evening meal before him. There were only a few coarse cakes baked over the smoky fire, some rice and a lump of sour-preserved tamarinds just enough to go on with till he could get to his evening kill. The smell of the dew in the marshes made him hungry and restless. He wanted to finish his spring running, but the child insisted on sitting in his arms, and Masua would have it that his long blue-black hair must be combed out. So she sang, as she combed, foolish little baby songs, now calling Mowgli her son, and now begging him to give some of his jungle power to the child. The hut-door was closed, but Mowgli heard a sound he knew well, and saw Masua's jaw drop with horror, as a great grey paw came under the bottom of the door, and grey brother outside whined a muffled penitent whine of anxiety and fear. Out and wait. Ye would not come when I called, said Mowgli in jungle talk, without turning his head, and the great grey paw disappeared. Do not, do not bring thy, thy servants with thee, said Masua. I, we have always lived at peace with the jungle. It is peace, said Mowgli, rising. Think of that night on the road to Kanhiwara. There were scores of such folk before thee and behind thee. But I see that even in springtime the jungle people do not always forget. Mother, I go. Masua drew aside humbly. He was indeed a wood god, she thought. But as his hand was on the door, the mother in her made her throw her arms round Mowgli's neck again and again. Come back! she whispered, son or no son, come back, for I love thee. Look, he too grieves. The child was crying because the man with the shiny knife was going away. Come back again, Masua repeated. By night or by day, this door is never shut to thee. Mowgli's throat worked as though the cords in it were being pulled, and his voice seemed to be dragged from it as he answered, I will surely come back. And now, he said, as he put by the head of the fawning wolf on the threshold, I have a little cry against thee, grey brother. Why came ye not all four when I called so long ago? So long ago? It was but last night. I, we, were singing in the jungle the new songs, for this is the time of new talk. Rememberest thou? Truly, truly. And as soon as the songs were sung, Grey Brother went on earnestly, I followed thy trail. I ran from all the others and followed Hotfoot. But, O oh, little brother, what hast thou done? Eating and sleeping with the man-pack? 
if ye had come when i called this had never been said mowgli running much faster and now what is to be said gray brother mowgli was going to answer when a girl in a white cloth came down some path that led from the outskirts of the village gray brother dropped out of sight at once and mowgli backed noiselessly into a field of high springing crops he could almost have touched her with his hand when the warm green stalks closed before his face and he disappeared like a ghost the girl screamed for she thought she had seen a spirit and then she gave a deep sigh mowgli parted the stalks with his hands and watched her till she was out of sight and now i do not know he said sighing in his turn why did ye not come when i called we follow thee we follow thee gray brother mumbled licking at mowgli's heel we follow thee always except in the time of the new talk and would ye follow me to the man-pack mowgli whispered did i not follow thee on the night our old pack cast thee out who waked thee lying among the crops ay but again have i not followed thee to-night ay but again and again and it may be again gray brother gray brother was silent when he spoke he growled to himself the black one spoke truth and he said man goes to man at the last raksha our mother said so also akela on the night of red dog mowgli muttered so also says ka who is wiser than us all what dost thou say gray brother they cast thee out once with bad talk they cut thy mouth with stones they sent buldeo to slay thee they would have thrown thee into the red flower thou and not i hast said that they are evil and senseless thou and not i i follow my own people didst let in the jungle upon them thou and not i didst make song against them more bitter even than our song against red dog i ask thee what thou sayest they were talking as they ran gray brother cantered on a while without replying and then he said between bound and bound as it were man cub master of the jungle son of raksha lair brother to me though i forget for a little while in the spring thy trail is my trail thy lair is my lair thy kill is my kill and thy death fight is my death fight i speak for the three but what wilt thou say to the jungle that is well thought between the sight and the kill it is not good to wait go before and cry them all to the council rock and i will tell them what is in my stomach but they may not come in the time of new talk they may forget me hast thou then forgotten nothing snapped gray brother over his shoulder as he laid himself down to gallop and mowgli followed thinking at any other season the news would have called all the jungle together with bristling necks but now they were busy hunting and fighting and killing and singing 
From one to another Grey Brother ran, crying, The master of the jungle goes back to man. Come to the council rock. And the happy, eager people only answered, He will return in the summer heats. The rains will drive him to lair. Run and sing with us, Grey Brother. But the master of the jungle goes back to man, Grey Brother would repeat. E? Yawa? Is the time of new talk any less sweet for that? They would reply. So when Mowgli, heavy-hearted, came up through the well-remembered rocks to the place where he had been brought into the council, he found only the four, Baloo, who was nearly blind with age, and the heavy, cold-blooded Ka coiled around Akela's empty seat. Thy trail ends here then, manling, said Ka, as Mowgli threw himself down, his face in his hands. Cry thy cry, we be of one blood, thou and I, man and snake together. Why did I not die under Red Dog? the boy moaned. My strength is gone from me, and it is not any poison. By night and by day I hear a double step upon my trail. When I turn my head, it is as though one had hidden himself from me that instant. I go to look behind the trees, and he is not there. I call, and none cry again. But it is as though one listened and kept back the answer. I lie down, but I do not rest. I run the spring running, but I am not made still. I bathe, but I am not made cool. The kill sickens me, but I have no heart to fight except I kill. The red flower is in my body, my bones are water, and I know not what I know. What need of talk? said Baloo, slowly, turning his head to where Mowgli lay. Akela by the river said it, that Mowgli should drive Mowgli back to the man-pack. I said it, but who listens now to Baloo? Bagheera, where is Bagheera this night? He knows also. It is the law. When we met at cold lairs, Manling, I knew it said Ka, turning a little in his mighty coils. Man goes to man at the last, though the jungle does not cast him out. The four looked at one another, and at Mowgli, puzzled but obedient. The, the, the jungle does not cast me out, then? Mowgli stammered. Grey Brother and the three growled furiously, beginning, So long as we live, none shall dare— but Baloo checked them. I taught thee the law. It is for me to speak, he said. And though I cannot now see the rocks before me, I see far. Little frog, take thine own trail, make thy lair with thine own blood and pack and people. But when there is need of foot or tooth or eye, or a word carried swiftly by night. Remember, master of the jungle, the jungle is thine at call. The middle jungle is thine also, said Ka. I speak for no small people. Hi, my, my brothers, cried Mowgli, throwing up his arms with a sob. I know not what I know. 
I would not go, but I am drawn by both feet. How shall I leave these knights? Nay, look up, little brother, Baloo repeated. There is no shame in this hunting. When the honey is eaten, we leave the empty hive. Having cast the skin, said Ka, we may not creep into it afresh. It is the law. Listen, dearest of all to me, said Baloo. There is neither word nor will here to hold thee back. Look up. Who may question the master of the jungle? I saw thee playing among the white pebbles yonder when thou wast a little frog, and Bagheera that bought thee for the price of a young bull newly killed saw thee also. Of that looking over we two only remain, for Raksha thy lair mother is dead with thy lair father. The old wolf-pack is long since dead. Thou knowest whither Shere Khan went. And Akela died among the doles, where, but for thy wisdom and strength, the second Sioni pack would also have died. There remains nothing but old bones. It is no longer the man-cub that asks leave of his pack, but the master of the jungle that changes his trail. Who shall question man in his ways? But Bagheera and the bull that bought me, said Mowgli, I would not— His words were cut short by a roar and a crash in the thicket below. And Bagheera, light, strong, and terrible as always, stood before him. Therefore, he said, stretching out a dripping right paw, I did not come. It was a long hunt, but he lies dead in the bushes now, a bull in his second year. The bull that frees thee, little brother. All debts are paid now. For the rest, my word is Baloo's word. He licked Mowgli's foot. Remember, Bagheera loved thee, he cried and bounded away. At the foot of the hill he cried again, long and loud. Good hunting on a new trail, master of the jungle. Remember, Bagheera loved thee. Thou hast heard, said Baloo. There is no more. Go now, but first come to me. O wise little frog, come to me. It is hard to cast the skin, said Ka, as Mowgli sobbed and sobbed, with his head on the blind bear's side and his arms round his neck, while Baloo tried feebly to lick his feet. The stars are thin, said Grey Brother, snuffling at the dawn wind. Where shall we lair today? For from now we follow new trails. And this is the last of the Mowgli stories. End of The Spring Running End of Mowgli All of Mowgli's Stories from the Jungle Books by Rudyard Kipling These stories were read by Phil Chenevere, November 2018